covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Here we are. We are getting oh so close to actual baseball games being played. Now less than a week away from the Cactus League opener for the Brewers. That's going to be coming up next Sunday, Sunday, February 28th, when they match up against the White Sox. And um, all you got to do is make it through this next week, and then you're going to have a whole lot of baseball to talk about here between now and uh, once the season comes to an end, whenever that might be. Housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, as we normally do. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And uh, you can also, uh, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcast, I want to leave a ranking and review and subscribe. I would very much appreciate that. On the podcast this week, our featured converse- conversation going to be with the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. He is uh, Kyle Lesniski. He is going to be with us coming up in just a few minutes here on the program. As uh, pitchers and catchers arrive to Arizona, as position players make their way in, we kind of have an idea, I think, for the most part. And not that there's not question marks. There are. But we have a pretty good idea of what this team is going to look like everywhere except for third base. We've spent a lot of time talking about third base. There's not a whole lot that I can say new about the third base situation this week that I haven't said in previous conversations. The one difference being Travis Shaw is now in the mix as they sign him on a minor league contract with an invite to Major League Spring Training, there is a great opportunity for Shaw if he can refine that bat that he had, the the all-star caliber bat that he had with the Brewers previously. If he can find that again, it's a great opportunity for him, and it would be very good for the Brewers to get that kind of bat back into the lineup. Now, is that going to happen? Who knows? His final season with the Brewers a couple years ago, it was it was really bad. Uh, He took a step back forward last year with Toronto. Uh, His kind of baseball card numbers weren't all the way back to where they were at before. Uh, Certainly you look at some of the advanced numbers, uh, exit velocity, launch angle, all that type of stuff. It was very similar to what he was doing uh, in his two very good years with the Brewers. So stuff seems to be moving in the right direction for him. And if, if he gets back to being the guy that he was before... That's a big-time addition to the lineup, but that's a big if. And that's the that's the spot where you have the question marks. It is nothing but question marks at this point at third base, uh, whether it's a Daniel Robertson or a Luis Urias who end up uh, being the guy who plays there more often. Some of the other more... Uh, utility type guys who can who can certainly play there like a, a Tim Lopes or a Mark Mathias a Jace Peterson uh, Zach Green is in with the team a guy who's got a little bit of uh, major league time as well so there are a lot of players who are going to be contending for playing time at third base and we'll see if any of them can really take a step forward we're going to talk about this um, with Kyle coming up but I think is a we're finally at that point and not that the Brewers can certainly make additions to this team and you know, while while they came up short of getting Justin Turner, I think what that does indicate to us is they have some money to spend if there is an opportunity to make the team better. We are in the middle of a time where baseball teams are trying to shed payroll. And if there's going to be a chance for the Brewers to add to their team this year, but it's going to require them to add payroll, 
the fact that they reportedly gave such a substantial offer to Justin Turner, it makes me feel better about the possibility of the Brewers being willing to add payroll during the course of the season. I think the move would have to clearly, clearly, clearly make the team better, but I don't think they're closed off to it, and and that's important. So that 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 relates to third base. If this team is really going to, and this is kind of this is one of the themes of the conversation with Kyle coming up in just a few minutes. This is a team that's really relying on bounce backs this year, and sometimes that can be a kind of a, a scary proposition. They they bet on some bounce backs this past season, and for the most part, it didn't work out. Uh, this upcoming year, I, I don't know if Lorenzo Cain is a bounce back, but Lorenzo Cain is a guy who's basically been on baseball for a year. Uh, I think Keston Hira is a bit of a bounce back, even though he doesn't have a, a big-time major league track record. You look at what he has done throughout his baseball career overall and how, who he profiles out as as a hitter. Uh, clearly, Omar Nervaya is looking for a bounce back. Clearly, Christian Yelich looking for a bounce back. To a certain degree, Avisail Garcia. I think Garcia was hurt by playing center field so much. Sometimes I just I I think from a comfort level standpoint, maybe that impacted him from a hitting standpoint. Even somebody like a Jordan Zimmerman who they bring in on a minor league contract, he's looking for a bounce back. So there are a lot of bounce back candidates uh, this year. And really, for the Brewers to be their best self, a lot of those bounce back candidates are going to have to cash in in a big way in terms of what they can do this year. And if they do, if, if you get a pretty high percentage of those guys really taking a step back forward this year, to me, this is a really good baseball team. If you don't, it, I, I think it's better than last year. I, I don't think they're a sub-500 team, but are they Are they contending for a division title? Are they conv- contending for a playoff spot? I think that's a lot tougher to say uh, if, if you don't get the bounce backs that uh, you're certainly hoping for. And nobody expects Christian Yelich to do what he did last year again. Nobody expects Keston Hira to do what he did last year again. Same thing with Omar Nervaez. Nervaez may be, you want to talk about excitement level in terms of somebody who can really improve upon what they did last year to this year. Nervaez has has profiled out as an elite hitter as a catcher. And it just wasn't there last year. It 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 was bad all year. And if he can be the guy that he was before, I think I said this a lot, like when when Yasmani Grandal left, they replaced Grandal. They they replaced about as much offense as they could have possibly replaced by getting Narvaez. Now it didn't work out that way because he never hit, but he profiles out as an offensive catcher. He was a really good defensive catcher last year. He took huge steps forwards uh, in what he did defensively. Maybe maybe that led to some of the offensive decline because there was so much focus on what he had to do uh, to become a defensive catcher. Uh, but now if he can take that step forward again, if he can be that guy, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that, that could be a big, 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 I don't want to say addition to the lineup, but kind of an addendum to the lineup, I guess I'll go with for lack of a better term. All right, as mentioned, uh, our featured conversation this week it is with uh, Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. Let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. 
Brewers Extra News, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're happy to welcome back on the program Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. Also does a lot of work with the Milwaukee Milkmen. We'll talk about that uh, towards the end of our conversations. We always enjoy getting an update about the Milkmen. But uh, we talk Brewers baseball with Kyle. Kyle, always appreciate your time. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, trying to deal with all the snow that we've been getting. Uh, you know, I think as best as anybody uh, possible out here in Milwaukee. But at least we've got some uh, warm video and and photographs coming out of spring training down in Arizona. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to actually have actual baseball type things to be able to talk about and. Let me start you with this kind of a broad question. We last had you on the podcast back in November. We probably should have had you back on sooner, but uh, here we are. And I'll be honest, in November, I-, I thought you had a somewhat negative take uh, about the team and maybe more than negative take about expectations of what might happen in the offseason. It wasn't an overly active offseason, but they do bring in Colton Wong. Uh, they they make a run at Justin Turner. They bring in some veteran guys on, on minor league free agent contracts with invites to spring training. They bring back Brett Anderson. So I, I guess from a very general standpoint, do you feel better about the club maybe now than you did back in November or is it still the same feeling for you? Um, I would say that they did some, you know, decent work to kind of kind of raise the floor in in a general sense. Um, you know, it, it felt kind of similar to uh, a lot of the stuff that they did last year, where they they um, you know kind of rolled the dice on a couple of guys in free agency or to some to some minor deals, that sort of stuff. Uh, Colton Wong was the biggest splash, obviously, and. Um, I actually did think that that was a very nice, uh, a very nice addition. I think Wong is going to be a really solid fit for the team and and kind of what they need to shore up offensively and um, going to hold down things pretty well at seconds. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, Brett Anderson coming back on a on a one year deal that should be a, a pretty solid addition to the rotation, especially when um, starting capable pitchers and and guys who are going to be able to throw a decent amount of innings are probably going to be at a premium this year as everybody's sort of working back from from last year's weird season and um you know the move to bring in travis shaw maybe uh somebody at third base you know could could pay some dividends but it's not exactly an exciting situation over there um testing here over at first base obviously going to be counting on a on a bounce back over there and and hoping that he can pick up this new position adequately and then um, just in a general sense, it seems like uh, the team is going to be counting on a lot of bounce backs from a lot of positions all over the field from from guys like Hira and Christian Yelich and uh, Omar Narvaez and stuff. And, um, you know, bringing Lorenzo Kane back into the fold should should hopefully help, uh, assuming that, you know, he hasn't really lost anything after uh, almost an entire year off last year. So, um, you know, it's it's really going to kind of be interesting to see how everything sort of starts to come together in spring training, and uh, if if any of these guys are are looking like they're ready to uh, take that next step forward after after struggling so much last year. Clearly, the biggest question mark remains over at third base, where you mentioned some of the guys they bring in. Travis Shaw this past week. You have uh, Luis Urias who can play over there. They're giving Orlando Arcia some reps over there here in spring. Uh, Daniel Robertson is an interesting uh, guy that maybe is ready to take a step forward, but but maybe not. So, how do you assess the options that are available for this team at third? Um, it it's really kind of a, a middling group. Um, you know, I would say very clearly the the weakest position probably that they have at at any point around the diamond right now. 
Um, you know, I, I thought that if they could have gotten something done for Justin Turner, that really would have been like the, the star caliber move that, that everybody was sort of hoping for last off season, uh, as they were kind of building off those back-to-back playoff appearances. Um, but you know, we, we didn't see it last off season and the, the rumors were fun, you know, for the, the couple of weeks that they lasted earlier this winter, but, um, you know, it, it didn't really seem like it was ever super likely that Turner was going to end up here as his heart always kind of seems set on, on Los Angeles. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, I guess, like I said, interesting to see if, if Travis Shaw can, can come back into the fold and, you know, rediscover some of the things that made him so successful during his first couple of seasons in Milwaukee. And, uh, as, um, my colleague Jack Stern at Brew Crew Ball wrote, uh, some of his stack cast numbers, that kind of stuff has been, yeah. been trending upward. So hopefully, uh, you know, something still left in the tank there. Uh, cause otherwise, you know, we, we've seen a lot of what Daniel Robertson has been at the MLB level and it's, it's been a decent utility guy. And we've seen what Louis Sirius has a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always been touted for his hit tool, but we haven't really seen that yet at the major league level. And I don't think anybody really expects him to hit for the kind of power that a prototypical third baseman would at this point. So um, not, not exactly the most exciting options there. There's a guy, uh, Zach Green, who um, is a non-roster invite. has got a little bit of big league time with the Giants. Um, he's somebody who hit 25 home runs and and. 72 games, I believe, in AAA in 2019. So somebody with with some juice in his bat that could maybe make an impact at the position at some point during the season. But uh, overall, you know, for a for a team that likes to say that they're going to be competing for a playoff spot every year, and and a team that hopefully is trying to put the best team that they can around Christian Yelich, uh, maybe it's not the the most exciting group of people to have at that position at this point. Um, you know, especially when you're going to be counting so much on on guys rediscovering something or bouncing back at, at other positions across the diamond. You mentioned the story that was up by, uh, by Jack Stern about Travis Shaw. And um, I, I tweeted out one of the graphics from, from that story this past week, because it really, it, it compared what he did in 27, 2018, and then 2019. And then this past year, and some of the numbers did look good. His uh, average exit velocity was actually better than what it was in 27, 2018 last year. Launch angle came way back to where it would be better at. Uh, hard hit percentage was way up. Uh, his barrel percentage, was uh, not what it was in 27-2018, but significantly better than, than 2019. Uh, how much do these numbers from 2020 indicate to you that maybe we won't get all-star caliber Travis Shaw, but perhaps the Brewers will get a pretty darn good version of him? Yeah, and I mean, you know, even if Travis Shaw can, can be the guy that he was for Toronto last year, which was roughly a league average bat, slightly below average, but, but you know, in that general area, that would be a significant improvement over what the Brewers got in general last year at third base. Um, so, you know, I think the, the key for Shaw is going to be uh, how often he's able to put the ball in play and, and what his contact profile looks like. Um, during his first couple of seasons with the Brewers, that was something that he – he did really well. Was he? He didn't really strike out all that much, and um, had a big jump in his walk rate from year one to year two, and then all that kind of just came crashing to the ground during his his brutal 2019 season. So there was a, a little bit of an improvement with the strikeout rate last year, but if he can kind of get back down to that 20 to 22 percent range, uh, which is around the area where he was during his first couple of seasons with the Brewers versus the, the 27 to 30 percent strikeout rate that he's had the last couple of years, I think that would make a, a pretty significant difference in his overall production. 
I always pause when I talk about strikeouts because people have these extreme beliefs about strikeouts, either believing they don't matter at all or they matter too much. And clearly, the truth is in between. It's clear from advanced numbers that strikeouts don't hurt as much as maybe people thought they used to. Uh, uh, also, you don't want one of your big boppers you know, just shortening up and, and trying to just slap hit because there's two strikes in the count. But at the same time, there are times where you need to put the ball in play. And the Brewers... W- crossed a line I feel like last year and being a team that just struck out way too often you look at Colton Wong he doesn't strike out very often uh, Lorenzo Cain's another guy who's not going to strike out a ton just the addition of those two guys into the lineup and their ability to put the ball in play how much of an impact can that have uh, on, on what this team does from a run scoring standpoint yeah absolutely and I would say that that that's something that I've come around a little bit on in over the last few years. My philosophy has changed a little bit on, on how much the strikeout kind of matters. And, you know, on an, on an individual sense, like based on a, a specific guy's profile, you know, you can make a, uh, a profile work if you can hit for enough power and get on base enough to, um, you know, work around those strikeouts and stuff. But I think when you're looking at a broader sense of how you're building a team, you can't really have guys who strike out at every spot in the lineup. And, and we've seen that kind of play out over the last few years. That, that's something that the Brewers have always kind of struggled with during the, the Craig Council, David Stern's era, is that their situational hitting, they've struggled with, with guys putting the ball in play, guys, um, you know, getting the runner in from third base, less than two outs, those kinds of situations. And I think Colton Wong's addition uh, along those lines is, is going to, was a very smart, way for the Brewers to go uh, just because his his profile fits so well um, compared to what else the, the makeup of the team is right now. He's somebody who strikes out at a very limited amount. Uh, he, he's always gotten on base very well. Um, he doesn't hit for a ton of power, but the Brewers have guys with either proven power or power potential at a lot of other spots in their lineup. So if, if Colton Wong's a guy who's able to go out and, and consistently put the ball in play and consistently get on base and then play really strong defense at, at second base. Um, he's going to end up being a really valuable piece for this team and, and somebody who can who can be on base consistently, hopefully along with Lorenzo Cain for, for when guys like Christian Yelich and Kesson here and you know, maybe even uh, Avisel Garcia, uh, Omar Narvaez, those guys who um, you know look to have, have power potential but maybe didn't actualize it really in the games last year. Um, you know, potential for for those guys to be driven in and and get some more runs across the board because I think that's going to be the biggest key for the Brewers' success this year is being able to score more consistently. Conventional baseball wisdom connects what position you play to the type of hitter you're supposed to be. And the Brewers don't always go along with that. Sometimes they look at it in a more broad, we need this, um, we need, you know, X, whatever from the entire lineup, and it doesn't really matter what position they play. So, all that being said, there have been some grumblings about Keston Hira going over to first base that his bat does not project as a, it's a very good bat at second. It's not a great bat at first. How would you respond to people who give that kind of complaint? Well, I mean, in, if Keston Hira can go out and be the player that uh, his offensive profile looked like coming up in the minors, um, and even even the guy that he was during his first you know half season in Milwaukee, somebody who you know is going to strike out probably maybe not hit for the highest average, but you know somebody who can put up in in OPS close to 800 or something like that. I um, mean you know, that should that should be a pretty valuable player regardless of of what their position is. Um, you know, obviously that would look a lot better at second base. Um, uh, 
last year, uh, the average second baseman had a weighted runs creative plus of 91, and the average first baseman had a weighted runs creative plus of 108. So obviously a pretty significant um pretty significant difference offensively there for what the average production is at each position. But if Kesson here is somebody who's putting up a 120 weighted runs created plus on, on a given year-in, year-out basis, um, that's going to be pretty good over at first base. Maybe it'd be great at second base, but you know we, we saw how deficient he was defensively over there. And with the amount of issues he had with the glove and, and with his throwing and stuff, it really kind of negated all of the a lot of the positive that he was bringing with the bat at the position. So I think if if he can go over and, and be a decent enough first baseman, the, the addition of Colton Wong at second base uh, should raise overall the defensive ability of the infield and, and really go a long way towards helping the pitching staff and that kind of stuff. And as long as Kesson here can still be that productive uh, above average to very good overall hitter, um, I think he's still going to be able to provide a lot of value at that position, especially for a guy who's going to mean they can uh, close to the league minimum for another two years and, and somebody who could really settle that position for the first time in a long time. There, there's been a lot of uh, rotating faces through over at first base, so uh, could could provide some stability and, and hope production over at that position. I think I've mentioned this on every podcast since the season ended last year, and people may be sick of hearing me talk about it, but I think it's a big deal. And, and more people are talking about it here recently since uh, pitchers and catchers uh, got started. The, the the jump from 60 games to 162 games and the number of innings pitched that pitchers are going to be asked to increase from last year to this year. And I know teams are going to be well aware of it, and they're going to do what they need to do during the course of the season to help pitchers stay as healthy as possible. Do you feel like not even the level of pitching or the quality of pitching, but do the Brewers have enough pitching to be able to go through this year where they're jumping from 60 to 162 without taking guys to a, to a level where they're really risking injury? Yeah, and you know, I, I think that that's going to be something um, that'll be really interesting to watch throughout the course of the year as well. That was actually one of um, uh, the spring training storylines that we put together for Blue Football last week when pitchers and catchers reported that was the one that I was going to be looking at closely, was uh, how, how teams are able to navigate 27 outs a game for 162 games versus 60-game season. So, um, you know, I think the Brewers have a pretty decent stable of depth in-house. Um, obviously, they've got the two, uh, two guys at the top of the rotation, Woodruff and Burns, who should hopefully be uh, high-impact starters. Um, but, you know, maybe this is the chance that we get to see Freddie Peralta get, you know, a little bit more of a run in the rotation. Uh, maybe they, they get some opportunities to Eric Lauer to see what he's got. Uh, obviously, the addition of Fred Anderson is, is going to be able to, um, somebody who can come in and provide some stable veteran innings. Uh, Josh Lindblom, Adrian Hauser, uh, those guys are still present as well. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how they work in some of those younger arms like Dylan File or Alex Bettinger or uh, maybe even a Zach Brown. But uh, I believe earlier this week, Craig Council said um, that it's you know probably going to take a minimum of of at least 10 starters uh, throughout the course of the season, guys who are going to need to be able to be ready and, and called upon at any given moment to uh, to come up and, and eat some innings or make some spot starts and, and stuff like that. And uh, the Brewers haven't, uh, you know, they, they haven't said no to the possibility of a six-man rotation or, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I certainly think that it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, the, the pitching should be the strength of this team this year. That's been the strength of, of the Brewers pretty much every season as, as long as David Stearns has been at the helm. So, 
Um, you know, they, they've, they've got a lot of young arms and they've, they've also got some, some more proven arms. And I, I think it's a pretty good mix. And uh, it certainly wouldn't be a surprise to maybe see a, another one or two guys added on minor league deals just with the, the amount of players that are still out there at this point. You mentioned earlier so many bounce backs that they're they're counting on. They're, and you, you mentioned them. You know, Lorenzo Cain coming off a, a year off and then actual bounce backs from Christian Yelich, Keston Hira, Omar Nervaez. Those are those are the big ones. If you get all four of those guys to take big steps offensively compared to what they did last year, this could be a really, really good baseball season. But again, you're betting on something that's not a guarantee. What is your confidence level that maybe not all those guys, but at least most of those guys will take that step forward and come back after they uh, took, a, took a step back last year? You know, I, I think that um, at least in the case of Christian Yelich, everybody feels pretty good that yeah. he's going to bounce back. Maybe not to being, you know, the MVP level guy that he was the last couple of years, but at least being a, a very good to excellent hitter, you know what what that exactly that looks like. Uh, maybe we don't know, but I I have a feeling that it's going to be a, a pretty significant amount better than than what it was in in 2020. Um, but you know, for for guys like uh, Garcia and, and Narvaez, um, those are two players that were among the worst hitters in baseball last year, and and really like it's hard to imagine a couple of players getting as many at-bats and performing any worse. So, you know, really anything is going to be an improvement there. Um, and Lorenzo Cain coming back and, and providing more stability in center field and, and hopefully a pretty solid floor of a, of a guy who will be able to put the ball in play and get on base. Um, it's it just knowing that really those, a lot of those guys just absolute bottomed out for, for seasons in their career. Uh, it's easy to imagine them bouncing back, at least in some aspect. Um, whether or not that's all the way back to being league average hitter or better, um, we don't really know yet at this point. But it, it's, like I said, hard to imagine them doing any worse at the very least. Before we get you out of here, we always like getting an update on what's going on with the Milwaukee Milkmen coming off uh, just a fantastic season last year on so many different levels, just even starting with just playing and having fans and uh, the the minor league reorganization in Major League Baseball impacting uh, the Milkmen in a way because of who they'll be playing this year. Just uh, how are how are plans going for this upcoming season and how excited is everybody around the Milkmen about uh, just everything that league is turning into here going into another season? Yeah, everything's been, um, been really interesting this offseason. Uh, the American Association um, entered into a partnership agreement with Major League Baseball, so along with the uh, Atlantic League, the Frontier League, and uh, now the Pioneer League, the formerly affiliated Pioneer League, uh, those are all four uh, independent partner leagues with Major League Baseball now, so there's going to be a lot of cross-promotion as far as um, advertising, all that kind of stuff goes, and, and hopefully down the road, you know, maybe some uh, adoption of more um, technology, that kind of stuff, uh, available for being able to help these players get affiliated opportunities and get those chances to get back to the major league baseball level. Um, but, uh, should still obviously be a, a very competitive league this year. Um, we had, uh, the St. Paul saints moved on to the affiliate or, uh, to affiliated. They're going to be a triple a team for the Minnesota twins this coming year. Um, and after the Texas air hogs, um, decided to fold and, and lead the league, uh, the Kane County Cougars actually um, joined the American Association for 2021 and went forward. So 
Uh, the Cougars, along with a, a travel team out of Houston, are going to form the last two teams for the for the 12 team American Association this year. Uh, our opening day is scheduled for May 18th, and it's like a hundred game season, and uh, all that, all the scheduling stuff, all that kind of stuff is all already out and publicly available. And uh, at, at this point, we've had a, a pretty busy off season. We've added um, a lot of uh, what we believe will be pretty impactful players. Uh, just trying to round out the roster now and. Um, get the last few of our uh, rookie players uh, on board so that we can get a full roster coming into camp and, and have a lot of competition for, for those last few spots on the team. Kane County's a great addition, longtime Midwest League team, so fans of uh, the Timber Rattlers or the Beloit Snappers are probably familiar with them. That's a that's a pretty good facility. That's a good fan base. They draw a lot of fans, so uh, that's a that's a great addition. Uh, the, the MLB Partner League stuff, what, what does that actually mean and how does that impact the Milkmen? Um, it, it's going to be a lot more exposure as far as uh, trying to get the players that are in our league, the American Association, the Atlantic League, the Frontier League, um, just just making a lot more opportunities for them to get back to affiliated ball available. Uh, there's going to be, um, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of cross promotion as far as uh, different advertising and all that kind of stuff goes. Um, but I think the biggest key is uh, at some point we're going to be um, moving towards adopting in some of that technology so that uh, that information is more available for MLB franchises as, as they look to um, you know find find these sorts of diamonds in the rough the guys that end up in in uh, independent baseball are obviously still professional highly talented baseball players and and there's been a lot of, of really strong players from independent ball that have gone on to uh, long big league careers. Um, David Peralta from the Diamondbacks is a player who played in the American Association. Uh, Junior Guerra, obviously, was somebody who played multiple years in the American Association and has gone on to have a, a six-year MLB career now. Um, a guy that we'll be, obviously, watching very closely is Peyton Gray, who we signed last year and then served as our closer. Uh, didn't give up a single run all season in, in 32 innings and then was signed by the Kansas City Royals after we won the championship. So, um, you know, just... There, there's a lot of talent in leagues like ours and, and guys that are really hungry and, and guys who are getting after it to prove that they deserve a chance at, at the affiliated levels and, and all the way up to Major League Baseball. Last thing for you real quick. I, I meant to ask you this earlier, and I didn't. And uh, I know you retweeted something earlier. This is kind of, as we talk on Sunday night, this is a, a big story that really just came out over the last few hours. Uh, there was a leaked video that came out involving the president of the Seattle Mariners, and it actually involves a, a local player in their organization, local to, to Wisconsin. Um, but they 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 openly admitted to service time manipulation. And Kyle, we've seen it. Like You'd have to be an idiot to not realize that it's happening we've seen it all the time over and over and over but major league baseball teams have never like publicly admitted that they're going to go send a guy down to triple a for the first month of the season so they can grab a year of club control back on the other side the fact that there's now actual real evidence of someone in baseball admitting to doing as such do you think that results in any change or do you think it just turns into a situation where these executives are going to be better at not saying these things in any type of public way or any type of way that could get out. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a terrible look when have an executive like that kind of say the quiet part out loud and um, sort of ad- admit to everyone what we all kind of know what has been going on. 
uh, you know, I think it's just going to be one of those things that gives the Players Association a little bit more ammunition when it comes up to the uh, the, the upcoming collective bargaining agreement talks. And we've already seen that, um, you know, there's been a lot of contentiousness in, in the sorts of negotiations, uh, even going back to the, the 2020 season last year, that there just doesn't really seem to be a good working relationship there. So uh, any of this kind of stuff that, that comes out or continues to come out is just, you know, Stuff that's going to continue to drive a, a wedge between the players and the owners, and and make for um, you know potentially difficult negotiations when it comes to baseball season uh, next year and beyond. So, um, you know, we'll have to see if this is sort of a rallying cry for the players, and if they really kind of start to push for changes when it comes to how these this service time stuff and and the initial um, initial reserve contracts and and all that kind of stuff are are sort of put together because there's been a, a pretty significant push for younger players to be able to reach free agency sooner and, and kind of getting that money spread around a little bit better versus having, having to wait for six or seven years to, to reach free agency. And now we see that players that reach free agency aren't, aren't quite getting compensated in the same ways that they were in years past. So it's really just been uh, uh, a way for owners to, to continue to funnel money into their own pockets versus uh, you know, dispersing the money to the players who are the actual product on the field. You guys are killing it right now, Brew Crew Ball. You're touching everything that's going on. Uh, I'm sure most people, if not every single person who listens to this podcast, is already very familiar with what you've got going on. But uh, give a plug for what you and what your entire team is uh, is doing over there because it's uh, it, it's it's just great everyday content here at the moment. Yeah, we're just um, you know kind of getting amped up right now for the for the start of the season. Um, covered pitchers and catchers reporting pretty extensively uh, earlier this past week, and now as we get into spring training, we're going to start to do position by position previews and that kind of stuff, and and obviously keep keep everybody abreast of all the news of the day and everything that's going on down in Maryville. Great stuff. Uh, also encourage people to uh, follow you uh, on Twitter as uh, you are at Kyle underscore L-E-S-N-I-E-W-S-K-I. Always appreciate your time and your insight and look forward to talking to you uh, again real soon. Yeah, sounds great. Always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat. Kyle Lesneski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Certainly appreciate him taking a little bit of time with us to talk uh, all things Brewers. As mentioned... Next week, when we are doing this podcast, we are going to have an actual game to talk about as the Brewers are going to uh, open up their Cactus League schedule coming up this Sunday, February 28th, when they are going to uh, match up against the White Sox. There's going to be some funky rules during uh, spring training this year. Pitchers are going to be able to be pitching, be taken out of games, be put back in, stuff like that. Um, and, and there's especially early on in spring training, there's always some interesting rules, but they're going to last a little bit longer this year. A lot of seven-inning games in uh, spring training. Uh, just being very careful, especially, and we, we didn't talk about it as much this week outside of our conversation with Kyle, just the, the continued narrative, the continued storyline that um, you're going to have pitchers who threw 60 innings last year who you're hoping, who in a, in a normal regular year, you'd be hoping to get 200 innings out of this year. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to happen with anybody, but it's just uh, the the pitchers who were about the highest number of innings pitched last year were around 60, and generally the guy who's at the highest level is around 200. So it's just going to be it's going to be very interesting this year to watch uh, how it plays out with the uh, pitcher usage and how many uh, innings they actually pitch 
Uh, and that's going to be, uh, yeah, this is going to be the, the, the teams that handle that the best are probably going to be the teams that find a way to uh, steal a few extra wins over the course of the year. All right, that's it for uh, the program. Again, my appreciation to uh, Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesneski. I look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.